A battle over policy leads to a war of words between the governor and lieutenant governor. I will not step back from this. And I might be the last guy standing, but I'll be the last guy standing. How differences over tax relief are dividing the state's top leaders. Cutting your property taxes with the largest property tax cut in the history of the state of Texas. We dig into the competing plans, who benefits from each idea. Two of the biggest names in Texas law join the team prosecuting Ken Paxton. The people of the state of Texas are entitled to know whether their top cop is a crook. What we're learning about the impeachment plan and the high-powered lawyers tapped to lead the prosecution. From public safety to medical bills to protecting your pets, our investigations helped lead to action at the Capitol. We'll look at the impact on Texas law. Produced from the Capitol in Austin and airing statewide, this is the award-winning State of Texas. Hello and thank you for joining us. I'm Josh Hinkle. The final hours of the regular legislative session brought a behind-the-scenes battle over different visions for property tax relief. House lawmakers have backed plans to tighten the cap on how much property values can rise each year, while the Senate is pushing a plan to raise the amount of a home's value that's exempt from property taxes. Lawmakers could not reach a deal as they ran out of time on the regular session, so hours after the final gavel, Governor Greg Abbott immediately ordered lawmakers back to the Capitol for a special session on property taxes and border security. The first day of the special session brought big developments. House lawmakers passed a property tax plan, then left less than 24 hours after Governor Abbott called them back. The move sets the stage for a showdown with the Senate. On Tuesday, senators passed SB1, that chamber's property tax plan. It includes plans to expand the state's homestead exemption, which is the amount of a home's value that's exempt from property taxes. That's a priority of Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, but it goes against the special session call defined by Governor Abbott. The governor's call is expressly limited to cutting property taxes solely by reducing the school district maximum compressed tax rate. SB1 and SJR1 are not germane to the governor's call. After the Senate's action, House members passed their own versions of property tax relief and border security legislation, and then the chamber took up a motion to adjourn sine die. The chair recognizes Mr. Guerin to explain the resolution. I think it explained itself. I move passage. Afterwards, Speaker Phelan issued a statement saying the House did its part to strengthen our state's border and provide Texans with what he called the largest state property tax in American history. Governor Abbott also weighed in saying the Texas House is the only chamber that passed a property tax cut bill that is germane to the special session that I called to provide Texans with property tax relief, adding that he looks forward to signing it when it reaches his desk. And after Abbott's statement, Patrick responded with a heated message of his own. He posted on Twitter criticizing the governor's approach to tax relief. Patrick wrote, Governor Abbott has finally shown his cards. He chooses to give homeowners 50% less of a tax cut, nearly $700 a year to give corporations more. This is not what homeowners expected when they voted for him. Earlier in the day, Patrick vowed that the Senate would not pass property tax relief without raising the homestead exemption. I will not step back from this. And I might be the last guy standing, but I'll be the last guy standing. Homeowners in this state deserve real property tax cuts. And that's a combination of compression 
and homestead exemptions. As top Republicans continue to feud over competing ideas for tax relief, we're taking a deeper look into the plans and what they could mean for you. Capitol reporter Ryan Chandler spoke with the governor's office and the senator behind one bill. He breaks down what it could all mean for your wallet. Rising property tax alone have become almost so unsustainable that that alone is closing their doors. Businesses, homeowners, and Texas's top leaders all agree. We want to save the taxpayers money. Cutting property taxes is priority number one. But after five months of discord and a short-lived special session, no deal. The governor can put things on the call, but he can't prescribe the form of the solution. Governor Abbott, Lieutenant Governor Patrick, and Speaker Phelan all brought their own ideas for how to lower taxes. On Tuesday, the House swiftly passed a plan endorsed by Governor Abbott. It's called tax rate compression. Essentially, it dedicates $17.6 billion to buy down school district tax rates, basically footing the bill for you. This is a plan that we feel like is equitable. It doesn't pick winners or losers. Our small business owners will get tax relief. Homeowners will get tax relief. Renters will get tax relief. The Senate plan has some of that, but it also pushes a $100,000 homestead exemption. That's two and a half times more than you can currently deduct from your property tax bill. This is the most powerful thing you can do as a tax writer, because if you exempt somebody from taxation, they never pay. And they never pay the next year, and they never pay the year after that. Supporters of the Abbott plan predict it will save the average homeowner $1,300 over two years. The Senate predicts Dan Patrick's plan will save them more than $2,500 in the same time. I know the governor must be on our side with this. I can't imagine he wouldn't be. I can't imagine the governor will say to 5.7 million homeowners, you're not going to get a homeowner's exemption. Ryan Chandler, State of Texas. The Senate met briefly Friday, but adjourned without taking up the plan passed by the House. That same day, Governor Abbott spoke at a forum at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. He gave his vision for cutting property taxes without mentioning Patrick's idea for higher homestead exemptions. We must go big. We must dream big, dream the possibility that we can eliminate property taxes in Texas. You got to dream it and then you got to do it. And so what I say we do is we use that $17 billion to drive down your property tax rates. If we do that, that will cut your property tax rate for school MO by 29%. That will put us on a pathway where in the ensuing sessions, we will be able to get to zero for your property tax rate for your school district property taxes. Abbott did not directly address the criticism from the lieutenant governor. However, he did praise Patrick for his previous work on property tax relief. Two of the biggest names in Texas law are joining the team that's prosecuting Ken Paxton. And I'll promise you, it's 10 times worse than has been public. What we're learning about the impeachment plan and the high-powered lawyers tapped to lead the prosecution. And from public safety to protecting your pets, we look at how our investigations helped lead to action at the Capitol and will soon become law.
Two of the biggest names in Texas law will serve as lead prosecutors for the upcoming impeachment trial of suspended Attorney General Ken Paxton. High-powered attorneys Dick DeGuerin and Rusty Harden will present the case on behalf of the House impeachment managers. Both DeGuerin and Harden are considered icons in their field. They made their name as criminal defense attorneys in high-profile cases. Harden said he was shocked by the evidence against Paxton. This is not about a one-time misuse of an office. It's not about a two-time misuse of the office. It's about a pattern of misconduct and using the office, subjecting to people who don't have a voice to basically threats and fear that if they come forward, they will pay a big price for it. But we hope and pray that this will be a process that allows the public to fully examine everything. And I promise you, it's 10 times worse than has been public, and that is you think. Six attorneys from the AG's office announced they would take leaves of absence to help defend Paxton. Paxton has denied any wrongdoing and calls the impeachment a political sham. DeGarren emphasized that it's not political and that the process needs to be open and transparent. We want to bring fairness which we lawyers call due process to this procedure. The jurors will be the senators uh, in the Texas Senate and they will be presided over fairly. We want the accused, Mr. Paxton, to be able to call witnesses in his own behalf. We want him to have uh, a lawyer or a set of lawyers representing him. We want them to be able to cross-examine our witnesses who will be sworn and all the witnesses should be sworn and under oath. The Texas Senate will set the rules for the trial. The date has not been determined, but Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick did say it will start no later than August 28th. There is still no word on whether Paxton's wife, State Senator Angela Paxton, will recuse herself. But back to Hardin and DeGarren, they've been part of several high-profile cases as defense attorneys. In 1994, DeGarren successfully defended then-Senator Kay Bailey Hutchison on misconduct charges. In 2005, he defended Texas Congressman Tom DeLay when he faced money laundering and conspiracy charges. DeLay was found guilty, but an appeals court overturned the conviction. And in 2003, DeGarren defended Robert Durst. The multimillionaire admitted to killing his neighbor in Galveston. DeGarren used a self defense argument and won. Harden also has several high-profile cases under his belt. In 2008, he defended star baseball pitcher Roger Clemens against charges that he lied to Congress during a hearing on performance-enhancing drugs in Major League Baseball. Clemens was found not guilty on all counts. Harden also defended NFL quarterback Deshaun Watson against several civil suits accusing him of sexual assault. Most of those lawsuits have been settled. And remember the marriage between Playboy model Anna Nicole Smith and 89-year-old Texas millionaire J. Howard Marshall? Hardin represented the Marshall estate. A jury found the estate owed Smith nothing as his widow. The final days of the regular session brought a rush to finish work at the Capitol. We're tracking several bills sparked by our investigations. How last-minute action by lawmakers pushed some closer to becoming law. This race-based discrimination is real. It is insidious and it is still happening today. 
Texas will soon have a new law banning discrimination based on certain hairstyles. How one student's experience helped bring attention to the legislation. With the Texas legislative session wrapping, we're seeing several of our investigations making a difference at the state capitol. We've been tracking bills sparked by our investigations all session, and now we know seven are on their way to becoming law. Some passed in the last hours lawmakers could act. On the last day of the session, the governor signed a bill for more transparent medical billing in Texas, a direct result of our team's investigation. We first discovered this issue after a central Texas hospital sued hundreds of patients over unpaid medical bills. Several patients told us they received vague bills and could not get itemized invoices before the lawsuits against them. The legislation now requires hospitals to provide a written, understandable itemized invoice before sending patients to collections. Another medical measure passed by lawmakers after our team's investigation, a bill to protect patients from dangerous doctors. Last year, we told you about doctors coming to Texas, practicing with clean records on their Texas Medical Board profiles, despite having their medical licenses revoked in other states. At the time, the bill's author, Democratic Representative Julie Johnson from Dallas, told us addressing this would be her top priority. The reporting that you did where you uncovered all of the physicians who had lost their license in other states and that was not disclosed on the Texas Medical Board's website is Exhibit A as to the problem. The Texas Medical Board has completely failed in its job, so we're going to have to step in and do it for them. The bill aims to make it a Class A misdemeanor to lie on medical license applications, prevent doctors who had their licenses revoked in other states from practicing in Texas, and require monthly monitoring of all physicians with the National Practitioner Data Bank. The medical legislation passed after our investigations even extends to animal doctors in Texas after lawmakers voted to temporarily attach the state's Board of Veterinary Medical Examiners to another state agency in order to help with data collection and management issues. The measure will allow the Texas Department of Licensing and Regulation to assist the board with policymaking and administrative oversight for the next four years. Lawmakers added a provision allowing the vet board to retain rulemaking powers on matters related to scope of practice and medical concerns. Following years of our investigations on the Texas Commission on Law Enforcement, state lawmakers passed an expansive bill to reform the agency, giving it more power to hold police accountable, approve new departments, license new officers, and more. The bill was authored by Republican Senator Angela Paxton of McKinney. She wrote the legislation from recommendations by the Texas Sunset Advisory Commission, which reviewed the agency and described it as toothless. The bill gives T. Cole the authority to set minimum standards for new departments and create a publicly searchable database of licensed peace officers in the state. The agency will also check the personnel files of new applicants who previously worked in other states to make sure their license wasn't revoked. Another measure already signed by the governor will expand access to the state's Crime Victims Compensation Fund and increase payouts for certain claims. The move widens eligibility for household members of victims, increases relocation compensation, and increases lost wages for family members of deceased victims and more. Our team investigated problems with the program last year and found several employees said they were overworked and the program was understaffed, struggling to pay claims fast enough. Records from the Attorney General's office show it now takes an average six months for victims to receive a first payment on a claim, and that's a record high.
Another crime-related bill sparked in part by our investigations will get rid of paper license plates in Texas. And with that, Mr. Speaker, I concur with Senator Mimmons. Mr. The bill's author, Republican Representative Craig Goldman, on the House floor there holding up a fake paper plate as the measure passed. It aims to ensure metal plates would replace those temporary dealer plates. For years, we've investigated what became a $200 million black market, letting criminals infiltrate the Texas DMV system and sell counterfeit tags. Our coverage led to the resignation of top officials at the state agency. Representative Goldman previously said our investigations helped educate lawmakers about the extent of the problem. The more we dove into it and the more we've seen stories like you do. You see the one I'm going after? Casual. We realized what a major problem it is. The bill was sent to the governor. The DMV has until next year to come up with a rule to implement the change, which would not take effect until 2025. That's all contingent on the governor signing these bills. He has a few weeks to do so. Most of these bills, including this next one, would go into effect September 1st. And this next one comes after our six-year investigation spanning four legislative sessions pushing for police transparency. With just hours to go this legislative session, lawmakers voted to close a controversial legal gap known as the dead suspect loophole. The issue is an exemption in the state's Public Information Act giving police discretion to withhold records in cases where a suspect doesn't go through the court process. Despite some law enforcement opposition, the bill's author previously told us it gained momentum this session after the mass shooting in Uvalde after the gunman died. The issue with it, it became extremely pronounced during, during that investigation because what we needed were the facts. We needed the, the documentation, we needed the videos, we needed to know what happened. Again, we have been investigating this problem for six years, multiple reports and consistently pushing for accountability. That's the kind of dedication our team has to the people these problems affect. Persistence matters, and sometimes it's the only way to bring about change, and we'll keep doing that for you. We'll also keep you updated on the progress of these bills online. Catch up on how we got here. Just scan the QR code on your screen now to head to the Texas politics section of our website and look for the links in this story. Texas will soon have a new law ending discrimination based on hairstyles associated with race. We look at what fueled efforts to pass the Crown Act and why moves to make it a federal law face a tougher path. A bill that aims to end discrimination based on hairstyles associated with race will soon be law in Texas. Last Sunday, Governor Abbott signed the Crown Act. The act prohibits school districts, colleges or universities, employers or labor unions to discriminate against any protected hairstyle as part of a dress code. In the bill, protected hairstyles are braids, locks or twists. The bill's author says it will help people across the state. It will help to reduce disparities in school discipline. It protects our students and it promotes belonging and engagement for our children that they can feel like and show up to school looking the way God made them. The bill passed with near unanimous support in both the House and Senate. It goes into effect September 1st.
The story of a high school student who was punished because of his dreadlocks helped inspire the effort to pass the Crown Act. DeAndre Arnold was suspended from Barbers Hill High School east of Houston back in 2020. The school district said the length of his dreadlocks violated the district's dress code. Arnold has roots in Trinidad. He said the hairstyle is part of his family's heritage and culture and the men in their family grow their dreadlocks to below their waist. Arnold's cousin was also suspended because of his hair. Both boys ended up leaving Barbers Hill and attended a different school district. 21 other states have passed their own versions of the Crown Act. In March, the U.S. House passed a federal version of the bill. All House Democrats voted yes, but most Republicans voted against the Crown Act, some calling the bill a distraction and minimizing its importance. We have rights, the civil rights law cover this thing, to cover this kind of, any kind of discrimination here. It's covered. It's wrong if it happens. But this is what the Democrats are focused on. 14 months of chaos, and we're doing a bill on hair. Texas Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee responded directly to Jordan, citing discrimination she faced as a young woman for wearing an afro and calling attention to Arnold's punishment. And this young boy who, like me, was felt diminished because someone thought it was wrong for me, an afro for him, his braided hair. Mr. Jordan, we have engaged in a lot, but I will not stand down on the Crown Act. We must pass the Crown Act to give dignity and reaffirm the rights of all people. Wear your hair as you desire. Again, that bill passed the House, but the U.S. Senate has not taken it up yet. Thank you again for joining us for State of Texas. I'm Josh Hinkle. We'll be back next week to bring you an in-depth look at Texas politics.